There were a ton of logistical mess-ups while we were in journey, but that's because it was the most spiritual trip we've ever had. So Satan was trying to fight us and confuse us almost at every turn, but uh, it, was, it was an unbelievable spiritual uh, retreat, not just a tour, it was a retreat. Uh, take your Bibles with me, please, and turn with me to the book of Judges, chapter 6. Now, you already know Gideon's one of my favorite uh, Bible characters in the world, but the, I've got a whole new twist on that this morning that I want to share with you because uh, many of us uh, are in Gideon's position just with regular life, just with dealing with life. We're overwhelmed. We're just many literally overwhelmed. And sometimes it's our fault. We dug our own hole. Uh, and, uh, you know, the first, uh, the first step to, to get out of the hole is quit digging. So, uh, you know, you, you, but I, I'm telling you, we, we, we make our own. And then other people mess us over. Other people do cruel and mean things to us, uh, talk ugly and, and, and uh, hurt feelings. And so a lot of people are just overwhelmed. They don't like their job, but they like money, so they've got to, they got to hold their job. And this goes on and on and on. So we open our story with, uh, in chapter 6, 11. <clears throat> chapter 6, 11. <clears throat> now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the Tirebrenneth tree, which was in Ophel, uh, which belonged to Joas the Abazarite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Now immediately you see the problem they've got. They're enslaved. All of Israel is enslaved by the Midianites. So the Midianites would give them just enough, just enough grain so that they could sustain life for another year. And then they gave them seed to plant a new crop. And as soon as the new crop was in, the Midianites would come steal it. And so uh, uh, Gideon was in the wine press. And you, you know this, but you, David was sent up to buy the thrashing floor of Arana after he had uh, uh, counted the people and and uh, God, God said, they're not your people to count. They're my people. And I told you not to count them. I told you to leave it to me. And so there was a great, uh, fa uh, great uh, plague hit the country. And so uh, he was told by the prophet if he would go to and, and the field of, of Arana, the thrashing floor of Arana, then he could uh, offer sacrifice and, uh, and pray for God's deliverance. Well, he went up to the thrashing floor of Iran, and you know where that is? It's Mount Moriah. It's where the temple is, where Isaac had offered or had been tested with Abraham. So anyway, he went up, and, and so Iran uh, said, well, no, 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 you don't have to buy it. Just, just I'll give it to you. I'll give you wood. I'll give you oxen. I'll give you whatever you need, but uh, you don't have to buy it. No, he said, I will not worship the Lord with that that costs me nothing. I will not worship the Lord with that which costs me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor, and David uh, uh, was able then to, uh, later on, his son Solomon built the temple there. But the threshing floor is always on the top of the hill. 
Because after they beat the grain out of the straw, they then have to willow it. They throw it up in the air, and the wind blows across it and takes out the trash, the, uh, the, the light part of it, and leaves just pure grain uh, in the bottom. But the wine press is at the bottom of the hill. Because if you're carrying shocks of wheat, they carry up pretty easy. If you're carrying big bundles of grapes, you want to come downhill, not uphill. So you get down to about a foot of the ground, and you build this thing, fill it full of grapes, and stomp them, and they run out. And, but he was in the thrashing. Uh, he was in the wine press. There's no wind in the wine press. This poor boy had a job, but he was trying. But if he'd gotten up on top and thrashed, and the Midianites had seen the, the dust, what would they do? They'd come steal his food. So he was down at the bottom of the hill, uh, trying to just eke out some grain so that they could have some little extra and not have to give it all to the Midianites. So the Lord shows up there, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now listen carefully. If God says you're a mighty man of valor, you are. And yet he was hiding. He was afraid of the Midianites. He was uh, doing everything he could just to eke out a living for his family. And then he... You know, the, the Lord went ahead and told him, no, you're fixing to lead Israel to victory over the Midianites. He said, how can that be? How can that be? Uh, I'm from the smallest tribe of Israel, Manasseh. I'm from the poorest family in Manasseh. And I'm the baby boy. I mean, he thought he was the lowest man on the totem pole. Okay? He didn't have a chance to accomplish anything or do anything worthwhile for his family, for himself, or for God. But God said, no, you're a mighty man of valor. Now the rest of the sermon is about getting from the scaredy cat to the mighty man of valor. Because if he was going to do what God chose him to do, he had to be a mighty man of valor. And so... Uh, he, I mean, and, and this guy, this guy's wishy-washy. He did, he tested God twice to make sure he got the right answer, okay? Uh, and, you know, supposedly you hear from God, you do what he said. But uh, Gideon went out twice and put out a fleece, and it was supposed to get wet one time, the ground be dry, another time the ground would be wet and the fleece would be dry, and that way he'd know what God... You don't go out and throw out the fleece for God. You got the Bible, you got the Holy Spirit, and you got the, the Holy Father putting it in your, in your head and your mind. It's okay. And so, but he was... You got to understand, this guy was really uh, afraid. He was really afraid. You know, I've been afraid before, and I've been afraid to ask God to give me the victory. Because if he didn't, I would worry that my prayer wasn't good enough, or, or that God didn't care about me. Or maybe I asked God to do something that would embarrass him he couldn't do. <laughs> you know, sometimes I think my situation is beyond help. And so I tend not to pray 
uh, in faith, believing that God can cure it, God can take care of it, because, uh, you know, and then sometimes I'm embarrassed to talk to God. I'm embarrassed to say, well, God, I know you already know what I did, but do we really have to discuss it? It's kind of like that little boy came home from school and told his daddy that he'd been invited to a very uh, exclusive meeting at school. And his dad said, what do you mean a very exclusive meeting at school? He said, yeah, it's me, you, and the principal. <laughs> so <laughs> why do we have to discuss this, you know? And so, yes, it has to be discussed with God. And you have to, uh, and, and so somehow, 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 some way, uh, uh, Gideon's got to get from this low point in his life to become a mighty man of valor. So the first step was to agree to cooperate with God. Okay, God, I'll try. And that probably was his attitude. The Bible said the Midianites were without number. And that the camels looked like grasshoppers of the field. Now, one soldier, I mean five soldiers would like share one camel. They'd have the tent and he'd carry the pots and pans and, and the armament and so forth. But five guys could generally uh, get along with one camel. So if the camels look like grasshoppers of the field, uh, you can tie five to them every time. Uh, and so they were, they were just innumerable. And Joshua finally was scraping together an army of 30,000 people. 30,000. And they met down at the spring of Herod. We were there this week. Uh, and uh, uh, so they, they were, and God said, that's too many people. 30,000 is too many people for me to give you a victory. <laughs> and uh, he said, how can, how can that be? I mean, they, they're innumerable. We only have 30,000. You go tell them if they have any fear or if they need to get back to their house for any reason, they can just leave. 22,000 left. Left him with 10,000 men. Now that really helps my ego, doesn't it? I'm already scared to death. I had agreed to go out in a massacre with 30,000, but now you've cut that number down to 10,000. And then God said, that's still too many. How can it be too many? We don't have enough. And he said, well, if I give you the victory with, with 10,000 men, you'll still run around patting yourself on the back saying, look what we did. Look what we did. So he said, I want you to carry them down to the spring. And those that lay down on their face and drink, tell them to go home. Those that kneel and kind of stay alert and pick up water, and do it, you can keep those. They were alert. They were the best soldiers. They had 300 of them. So now Gideon has got to figure out, and this guy's got zero confidence. You, you catching on? He's got zero uh, hope that this thing's going to turn out well. He's scared to death. And now they're down to 300 men. That was really, I mean, really attacking his confidence. So God told him to go up to the hill of Moray. And we saw it very clearly, uh, the mountains here uh, for the Gilboa Mountains, the spring, 
and the hill of Moray. And so he sneaks up with Pura, his helper, goes up to the top of the ridge of Moray where the outer skirts of the Midianite guards were. And the Midianites, one of the changing guards, and one said, man, I've had a terrible dream. I've had a terrible dream. He said it was like a big barley loaf rolled off the side of the mountain, hit our camp, destroyed it, and annihilated all of us. He said, and, and I know it's nothing more than uh, Joshua, who is the arm of the Lord. It's nothing more. And what, what Gideon learned at that moment, God had put more fear in their heart than in his timidity. They were scared to death. They thought this Joshua guy, I mean this uh, uh, Gideon guy and that and band of uh, special ops people, boy, they, they, they were scared to death. And so God said, I'll tell you what to do. And he gave a torch to 300 men. And he lit the torches, but he took a clay jar and put over the torch. Now, the torch would simmer and smoke, but it wouldn't break into a blazing fire as long as it was under that piece of clay, under that pottery of clay. He told them to get a sword and a trumpet. And so they sneak out, they go around the Midianite army, and Gideon said, you do what I say at my signal. And they blew the trumpets, they took their swords, and they smashed the clay jars. And the lights flew, uh, flared up. And the Midianites had heard the breaking of the clay. They'd heard the, the sound of the trumpets. They had heard, uh, and, and they got up in the middle of the night and killed each other. Just got up in the middle of the night and cleared and killed each other. Now there's a story here. And the story is Joshua was that clay jar. Joshua was that clay jar. You and I, that clay jar. Turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Go ahead, your electronic device or your Bible under the seat or whatever. I want you to turn to... 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and we'll read verse we'll start with 6 and then go to 7 and so for it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness and has shown where in our hearts to give us light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ now listen at verse 7 but we have this treasure in an earthen vessel that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We're hard pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we don't despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. And we're always carrying about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Okay, so you're a lamp. You're, you're this little gold lamp. I mean a little clay lamp. 
and a, and a clay lamp's not very big, guys. Uh, it's about like so. And it's got a wick in it, uh, and they pour the oil in it, and they burn it. And there are many, uh, there are many uh, uh, quotations, there are many uh, illustrations where uh, the lamp is used. And because they were very familiar with the lamp, had no electricity. And uh, in fact, if you go in some of the ancient homes, there are these little niches on the wall, and they were just to set the oil lamp in. <laughs> And uh, that's how they had what little light they had. And so they were very familiar with a, a vessel of clay. And it's really hard to tear up. Uh, it's, just, it's just, you know. But what happens if you drop it and break it? Does it go out or burn brighter? Burns brighter. When the vessel is broken is when the most light comes out of the vessel. And that's what Holy Spirit does. Holy Spirit breaks the clay in us so that the light can shine forth. My enemy is my own uh, mind and heart. While ago, while ago, uh, uh, Mammon shared with us, when the lie speaks louder than the truth. When the lie speaks louder than the truth. See, God just says it. He's God. He says it. But when sin says it, when the devil said it, it's added with a lot of color. It's added with a lot of flair. It's added with a lot of uh, lying enthusiasm and so forth. Like, sin's always more pretty than, <laughs> than doing God's will. Sin's always more pretty. When uh, Moses... Uh, decided to, to leave his association with the Pharaoh family and become uh, the a, ch a children a child of, of Israel again. The Bible says that he chose, he chose to give up the pleasure of sin for a season, rather than to deny the Lord Christ. Amen. Now, what does that tell me about sin? He gave the the pleasure of sin. Uh, the joy and the pleasure of sin. Did you know sin's fun? Well, if you hadn't, if you hadn't tried it sometime. No, don't do that. Sin's fun. It is fun. And it's, it's enticing. Uh, it's magnetic. Uh, it, it, appear, it appeals to all the senses, uh, the eyes, uh, uh, the, the, the smell, the tongue. Uh, the flesh. Uh, sin appeals so strongly so strongly that sin can actually speak to you louder than the truth does. Amen. When did you smoke your first cigarette? Just went to the store and bought them, didn't you? No, you had a good friend come to you and how wonderful they are. You want to hunt that friend down and kill him? You, you understand what I'm saying? Uh, when, did you go in the liquor store and buy your first drink? Who gave it to you? Some friend. Man, y'all try this. Man, make you feel good. Makes me feel good. Okay. And that's exact. So all of a sudden, what do you have going on? You have the lie speaking louder than the truth. But it doesn't change the truth. Amen. It never alters the truth. The truth is what sets you free. 
sin enslaves. You understand? And Satan knows so, so much how to appeal to this clay vessel. In, in, in Gideon's situation, he was afraid. He was afraid. Uh, he would, he, not only would he get killed, but if he happened to live through it, his own people would kill him because he went out on the order of God and destroyed one of the idols of Baal. And so had he got through the thing, his, his own people would have taken him down. But I want to tell you something. When he was surrounding the enemy, when he was surrounded the enemy, and he gave the order to break the jar, it was on a stick, the torch was up in it, and they took their sword and broke the jar. And the flame just flared up like that. One of the reasons we're not shining any brighter for God than we are is we hadn't broken the clay jar yet. Amen. We're still proud. We're still arrogant. We want to play with our sin. We want to have one foot in the church and the other in the world. And we're still holding on to the vessel, protecting the vessel. Uh, I'm God's vessel. But if I become more interested in taking care of me than doing the will of God, I'm a failure. So whatever it costs, whatever you ha how however you have to break the jar, you got to break the jar. You got to break the fear. You got to break the guilt. You got to break the doubt. You got to break all of those things. Who was he? Who was he? A mighty man of valor. How did he get there? How did he get there? He had to be broken. Gideon had to be broken to where he'd rather be dead than disobey God. He'd rather be dead than to try to do anything except what God wanted him to do. He broke the jar. And when he broke the clay jar and all of his heart was ripped out and all of his pride was ripped out, all of his fear was ripped out, everything about him as a person was gone. That's when the flame blew. That's when the flame came up. And when those 300 flames came up, I'm telling you, he became a mighty man of valor. They were so afraid of him that they literally ran out their tents in the dark. And the first person they ran into, they cut with their sword. And they, and they were just fighting each other. And eventually daylight came and they realized that there was a great slaughter. They're still thinking Gideon's guys did it. There's this great slaughter. I mean, the camp is just filled of dead bodies and, and mutilated bodies. And the rest of them ran. They're trying to get back to Syria. Gideon and went and hunted them all down and killed them. Ended the reign of the Midianites. You can't hide from the Midianites. You can't hide from your trouble. You can't hide from your problems. You, 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 can, you can cover them up. You can do whatever you want to, but you're not going to get spiritual victory. You're not going to be, get spiritual victory till you're willing to break with whatever it is that's standing between you and God. Amen. And it may be something real little. It may be something great big. It may be something great big. 
I mean, I know people that I have talked to in counseling, and I don't know how in the world they're still alive. I don't know why they didn't go kill themselves a long time ago. Man, they have had it bad. Well, how do you get from bad to a mighty man of valor? You got to turn loose that crap. It's got to go. And as you break the clay, you're breaking the holes that are on your life. You're breaking the container that's holding back Jesus. And as soon as you're willing to break the container, it'll flare and you'll become a light of the world. And have the victory. And have the victory. It's about brokenness, people. If you want to see God do something, He can't do it in us. He can only do it when we come to Him. In the Sunday school class this morning, we were talking about uh, Noah. And the first thing it says about Noah that he was righteous. Well, how do you get righteous? No, you get righteous through the Savior. You can only become righteous through faith in what God's done. And then it said he, he was a man of principle. He was a man of victory in his society. In other words, he did his best to try to live like God wanted him to live. He was following Jesus, right? He'd become a Christian and now he's following Jesus. And in a little while, it said he was walking with God. He was no longer following Jesus. He was walking with God. And when he was able to start walking with God, you know, I've told this story a million times because it had not rained ever. There had been no flood ever. You understand? They knew about canoes, but they didn't know anything about ships. And so God told uh, uh, Noah that it was going to nair. That's just rain backwards. <laughs> but it really doesn't make any difference what it was. He'd never seen or heard of it before. God said it's going to nair. And when it, when it nairs enough, there's going to be a doulof. That's flood backwards. And uh, so, I mean, but it was all foreign language to him. Do you understand? He had never seen rain. He'd never seen a flood. And then go build a ship. Where's ships built? On the coast. Why no need him building his ship on the coast? He didn't have to put the ship in the water. The water's going to come to him. So he built a thing out in the middle of a forest where there was plenty of wood. Took him 120 years to do it. People would come laugh at him. His own sons would say something like, Hey, Dad, don't you think, well, I can get a real job or something? I mean, this boat building thing, it, it's, you know, we've been into this thing 90 years. We're not through with the boat. It hadn't rained. It had it'd been no doulof. So what are we doing? But he was with God. He was walking with God. So he was ready to build the ark. He saved all people alive that are alive today. All of us are sons of Adam and Noah. All of us are. Well, no other way to get here. You understand? But it's because he was a man who had trusted and believed in Jesus Christ and he had committed himself to try to follow the Lord and do everything God wanted him to do. And one day... He was walking with God. He had, he had risen above it. Amen. He'd risen 
above it. He could take the humiliation. He could take the laughter. He could take the 120 years it took to build the ship because he and God had a thing. He and God had a thing. And that a thing caused Noah got out of the way and let God be God. Noah got out of the way and let God be God. Now, as we conclude this morning, I want to ask you a couple of questions. You might need to break that clay jar. It could be pride. It could be pornography. It could be uh, some woman, man on the side. It could be just doubt. It could be sick. I mean, sickness. Uh, the, when, when, uh, when you're hurting, when you've got a lot of real pain, which is speaking louder to you, the lie or the truth? Man, pain speaks real loud, doesn't it? Pain speaks really, really loud. And what we tend to do then is we lose sight of Jesus and we start watching the pain. You can't do that. He's bigger than the pain. He's stronger than the pain. He can get you through it. But you've got to be willing to quit looking at the surroundings and put your eye back on Jesus and know that Jesus is capable. And have your faith in Christ. Christ alone. Let's pray together. Lord, Gideon was a terrified, scared little fella. But God comes up and said, no, you're a mighty man of valor. Well, how can that be? Because you're going to learn to walk with me. You're going to learn to follow me. You're going to learn to listen to me. You're going to break all those doubts, all those fears, all those things that are holding you back. You're going to break those things. And then the light of God will shine through mercifully. <laughs> mercifully. So Lord, as we give the invitation this morning, uh, there's some folks need to come break the clay jar. They just need to be broken. Holy Spirit needs to remove from them the lie speaking loud and let Jesus be truth. And Lord, I pray this morning we can do that. Many in here can arise above where they are and rise into a, a spiritual uh, encounter with Jesus Christ because they're willing to break away and from the, from the lies that are speaking louder than the truth. So Lord, if we're ready to accept truth and break the lies, then I'll be down front. We can pray together as God brings. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Just stand.